I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. It is World Suicide Prevention Day. This is in-depth coverage on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Special section of Inside Sources today. Uh, tomorrow, of course, is uh, Suicide Prevention Day officially, and the uh, entire month is really committed to that uh, here in the U.S. and around the world. And uh, as we talked about before the break, uh, a lot of folks are just feeling weary and uh, fatigued in so many different ways. And uh, so we need to have some different conversations, uh, to some really honest conversations, some crucial conversations to be sure. Uh, and whenever I think I need one of those conversations, I know who to call. <laughs> I call my good friend Jenny Howe, who is a uh, counselor and just one of the most insightful people I know. Uh, Jenny, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nice to hear your voice. Oh, it it is always good. The day always gets better, and uh, Kellyanne always just says, "Oh, she's my favorite." <laughs> <laughs> and there are many of our That's listeners great. who feel the same way that when we are starting to think, "Okay, how do I get through this?" Uh, you always give us such great perspective and and insight. So I want to start with that a little bit. Uh, obviously, suicide prevention is the is the last stop on that horrible runaway train, and so I want to I want to move up track a little bit uh, in terms of. How do we make sure we don't get to that point where that becomes an option? Uh, What are some of the conversations that we should be having in this really unique period, uh, especially with our young people? What should we be talking about? Well, I think, you know, the most important thing is to not be afraid to talk about the word suicide, um, to give it a name, to have that be something that we're not afraid to say or bring up in our home. I think, um, you know, it's always really shocking for parents when I talk with parents about children that I've been working with that have had some suicidal ideation or some suicidal thoughts. And and it sounds really scary to know that your child has been talking about those things. And I can understand that being a parent myself. However, when I ask most children or teenagers that I work with, if they've had some suicidal thoughts or some thoughts of killing themselves, they are so relieved to have somebody enter that space with a conversation that gives them the freedom to then talk about it and put words to it. And research really tells us, boy, that if we can talk about suicide with people that are feeling depressed or have suicidal ideation, that that is one of the biggest preventative things that we can do is just have a conversation about it. So I think we need to use the word. We need to talk about it and not shy away from it inside of our home. Oh, I think that's so, so vital. And it is. It, it, and you can almost you can almost see it. Uh, you can just see kind of that a relaxing of the shoulders and an exhale when mm-hmm. someone says, oh, one, you're actually listening to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two, mm-hmm. you're understanding me. And three, you're willing to enter my space. Yes. 
And I think I'll add a number four. Number four is it's okay for me to feel this way. Yeah. Right? Because I think a lot of people that have come to me and, and, and myself included have, have felt in that space. It's, you feel ashamed of the fact that it sounds like a relief to, to leave this world. And it's, it's scary to put uh, that out there and to be vulnerable enough to have somebody accept that, that you can feel that way and still be a good person. And so I think it really erases a lot of the shame and stigma um, alongside that relief when we, we give words to it. Oh. I want to drill down just a little bit, Jenny. You mentioned this, mm-hmm. this shame and stigma because I do think that is part of a, a downward spiral that leads to suicide or attempted suicide mm-hmm. uh, because suddenly, especially with the young people, and I, I'm anxious to hear what you say from your counseling experience with with uh, those young people you work with, that yeah. this downward spiral of suddenly they have some of these thoughts about suicide or self-harm in some way and that shame just rushes over them and then suddenly they're they start feeling I'm worthless and then it, it begins that downward spiral. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I, I've worked suicide um completions and attempts um as young as the age of eight years old um in Davis County, Utah. I was on a mm-hmm. suicide prevention crisis team with the school district for a long time. And so when we think that, you know, children aren't capable of even having an understanding or thinking about these thoughts, that's just erroneous. Everybody has thoughts of leaving and fantastical thoughts of thinking about, hey, if I if I were to leave this world, things would be better. Everybody has those at one point or another. The difference is, is people that feel shame about having those thoughts hide them. They keep them secret. And you're exactly right. It starts that downward spiral of, wow, if I'm continually thinking about these things, then something must be wrong with me because nobody else feels this way. Nobody else is saying this. Nobody else talks about this. And um, when we give space again, I keep saying that word, but when we give space again to having those conversations, even with our children as young as seven and eight years old, we help them understand that we have moments that we feel this way, but that doesn't have to be forever, right? It doesn't last forever is one of the main mottos that we see often, you know, affiliated with suicide prevention. But those moments, that black and white thinking that happens in those moments, the way we feel right now is going to stay this way, is we give so much empowerment to people when we allow them to talk about that because it allows that emotion to move through them and they can begin to feel like, okay, it's not always going to feel this way. Or this person felt this way and and they're telling me their story and they're sharing this with me and and look at where they are now. Maybe that could happen for me too. Um, And, you know, there's so much de-shaming. I don't think that's a word, but I'm going to use it. (laughs) So much de-shaming that exists in storytelling. Yes. When we give each other the opportunity to share our experiences emotionally, we suddenly feel less alone. And that is really pivotal in the lives of people who are feeling suicidal. Yeah, uh, so important. And if anyone out there is listening, if you're struggling or if someone you love is struggling, there are so many resources. We we encourage you to, uh, if need to call the Suicide Prevention Hotline, that's 800-273-TALK, 800-273-TALK. Uh, Jenny has a, a host of resources uh, on uh, on her website as well, JennyHowConsulting.com. Uh, Jenny also has a powerful, powerful piece in uh, Deseret.com today uh, about a loss that you experienced uh, with your grandmother. Yeah. 
I, I thank you. Thank you for to Desert News for allowing me to share that and honor her. But yeah, I think you know it was it was interesting to experience such a, a strong loss um, alongside this collective grief and loss that I think we're all feeling as a as a world as a global community right now, but especially in America. Um, it kind of was the the that broke the camel's back into yeah. um, allowing me to kind of go inward and figure out how to how to manage my own loneliness and grief right now. So. Um, you know, it's it's a hard time. Like you said in the beginning of the call, it's exhausting right now. We're kind of, we've made it through that honeymoon phase. We've burned out all of our <laughs> adrenaline reserves. And now we're kind of just, you know, trucking along in the last couple miles of that marathon. And, and little things or big things like the loss of a grandmother can feel like they're enough to push us over the edge. And yeah. so being able to, to share that with the public and, and my family and, and the allowance of writing that was really cathartic for me. And that power in storytelling, I think, is, um, is was emotionally moving for me. Uh, so, and so important and that uh, we always appreciate your courageous vulnerability. And because you do in that, you create space for others to think through their own thoughts and feelings and emotions. And uh, that's always the beginning of a great conversation and a, and a great step forward. Uh, Jenny Howe, a counselor, uh, one of the great minds when it comes to mental health, especially for our young people. I encourage you to check out her uh, article today. We'll put that up on our Facebook page today as well. Jenny, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. All right. Uh, again, that's Jenny Howe. And uh, again, she is just a great thinker. You can go to JennyHowConsulting.com. Check out more of her work. And again, her piece uh, on Deseret.com today uh, on the loss of her grandmother is is really stirring and really compelling. And one of the things that, that Jenny said that really inspired me today is this idea that the pain that you're currently experiencing experiencing, again, whether that's physical pain or emotional pain, that it's going to stay that way forever, that it's going to be perpetual, uh, that that's often where we get into trouble in our thinking. And it's not just relating to suicide. It's with a host of other things when we try to project forward that way. And ultimately, in the end, we got to find the things that we need to celebrate. Uh, and there's so much to celebrate. And we're actually going to do a little bit of celebrating next uh, Russell M. Nelson, president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is 96 years old today. We're going to break it down with Sherry Dew. Get some insight coming up next on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.